I was not only the developer, I was kind of the customer. Mm -hmm. I was selling myself on the innovation that we were creating. In today's episode, I speak with Vic Nunes, founder and CEO of QMED Innovations. We discuss how innovation can take on unexpected forms, why deep experience in a category can unlock new ideas, and how age can be an advantage when it comes to new ventures. Welcome to Beyond Innovation, a series that breaks down the mystique, explores what works, what doesn't, and what innovation really means with experts who live it every day. Welcome everybody to another episode of Beyond Innovation. My guest today I have known for years and I'm really excited to talk to him. Uh, his name is Vic Nunes and he is the founder and CEO of QMED. And we're going to talk about uh, a whole arc of the genesis of this business. And uh, our relationship actually started in 2020. Right. Where we had a conversation as you were just sort of getting this whole thing together. That's so right. That's right. why don't you take a minute to introduce your background, who you sure. are, where you came from, uh, and how you and how you started. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. This yeah, is great. So. Uh, it's a great opportunity. I'm really excited for doing the session. Um, I spent the majority of my career in in medical device. Um, uh, Thirty of those years spent with Johnson and Johnson, the largest right. healthcare provider in the world. And um, I'm an engineer by education, but I spent the majority of my career in supply chain management, operations, manufacturing, logistics, all of those things that are branches of engineering yeah um but and i got exposed to just a tremendous number of challenges both on the supply chain and operationally um so my career um i retired from the company in 2015 um started doing some consulting um after that working with private equity investment banking sort of as an industry um, expert mm -hmm. um, looking at some m&a activity and potential targets for acquisitions and things like that um, and then I came across some really cool technology and knowing all of the problems and challenges that I had lived through for years at J&J, &J, I started putting two and two together. I started to see the opportunity on how to solve uh, some significant problems. And the more I learned about the technology, the more I got excited about how I saw this thing turn into a, a real solution. So right? give us a sense of what the problem was that you saw from within J&J &J that this technology then could help resolve. And I want to try and be fair and not make this into a J&J &J yeah, problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it is an industry-wide problem in orthopedics that um, because we're kind of selling the razor blade and giving away the, you know, the, the handle to mm -hmm. the razor blade, um, you know, we need to know where all of those assets are. In our case, in our industry, we're talking about selling implants and we loan out instrumentation for surgery. Right. Um, and those are very costly and expensive and we need to know at all times where these things are. And that's just not the case in this industry. So there's over three, 400 orthopedic companies out there in the world and they all have the same problem. Right. Um, they can't account for their assets. They don't know where things are at any given time. So when your job is to support a surgical event at a hospital for a patient, you got to make sure that as the implant arrives for that patient, that the instrumentation is also there for you to be able to perform right. that surgery. So 
the problem is that we never know where anything is. So our mission was to really find a technology that we can bolt on to these instrument trays and be able to communicate and tell where this device or these devices are at all times. So when you and I first started talking, this I didn't know much about this category. And it blew my mind when you started giving me some of the numbers about the the sheer volume of product in the field that is, I'm going to use air quotes, lost <laughs> every year in, uh, in, in, in this market. Can you yep. sort of dig into that a little bit and, and sure. give us some sense of just how, uh, unusual, I'm going to say, yeah. when you're outside this business, how unusual that is. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so think about, let's talk a little bit about numbers. There's over 7,000 hospitals in the U.S. alone. Mm -hmm. um, and every, pretty much the majority of these hospitals have some sort of trauma center or doing orthopedics. So you really, as, as an, an implant manufacturer, you've got two choices. You either supply all of these 7,000 hospitals with equipment, with instruments, mm -hmm. or you loan it, meaning that you ship it to them when it's needed, and you bring it back when it's not needed, right. right? So that coordination of shipping and getting it back, that's where everything goes wrong, hmm. right? Because it doesn't necessarily get to where it's supposed to be destined to go, and you ne don't necessarily get it back when you're supposed to. So they're not necessarily lost. They're somewhere. <laughs> it's just that nobody knows where they are. It could be 10 feet away, it could be 100 miles away. I mean, that feels like the definition of lost. True, <laughs> true. But, you know, it's someone may know. Yeah. It's just that you just don't have the ability yeah, to yeah, coordinate yeah. events and get stuff to and from as you would want to happen. And the, and the, and the, the reason why this is important is because the person who owns the asset only makes money when the asset is in use or how does that how does that play into the to the to the business model so without the instrumentation you can't do an implantation or sell an implant right right so in in the instruments are specific to the implant right right so it's not as if you can take one company's implant and use somebody else's instruments Got it. to do that so because they're specific there's a one-to-one -one relationship um there's been cases where surgeries have been delayed or canceled just because people could not account for the instruments to be at that location on the time of surgery. And that's a problem. That's a problem. You know? So you see all this at J&J. &J. You get out, retire, as you say. Clearly, you're not retired. <laughs> not <laughs> and, by the stretch of my imagination. Know, and then... And then what? So then how do you then flip that over and turn that into the venture that you're in now? Well, so um, to be fair, when I, when I first started looking at the solution and the technology that was available at the time, we were really repurposing or borrowing what was out there in technology and repurposing it to fit the problem that we're trying to solve, mm -hmm. right? And we went through, I want to say, about two years worth of learnings, what was working, what was not working, uh, things that were specific to our industry. Okay. So our solution is a combination of hardware and software, okay. right? So the hardware provides all of the live data, and then the software displays it in a friendly manner so that the customer can understand, okay, what am I looking at? And just right? to ground this for the audience, the, when you say technology, can you be specific? When you what, what exactly are you, what exactly is the technology that you're bringing to this? So it's a... 
you know, it's an LTEM, um, which is a cellular device yep. that with sensory technology that's built inside a two by two box. Mm -hmm. uh, it picks up a bunch of data during the day. It picks up some temperature, it picks up location. And then once a day at a specific time, it communicates into our software in the cloud all of that raw data. Perfect. We take all of that raw data and then we display it in a way where customers can say, oh, if it's seen these temperatures, it means that it saw an autoclave uh, or a wash cycle at a hospital. If it has the location of a hospital, then I know it's there getting ready for surgery, right? Got it. So we take a lot of raw data and massage it and make it more identifiable for our industry. So the thing that I find so fascinating about the business that you've built is the fact that in our in our general landscape that we operate in, we do work in asset management, we do work in this sort of generic innovation space. And the idea that the innovation would come from the logistics is an is a spot that I personally really love because most people turn their attention to the surgery to the healthcare providing. Right not to the fact that you've you've put this you've put this innovation space somewhere completely different right. from where most people would, would expect. So can you just kinda how how has that been for you? Like how does that go as a as a as a venture? So in so in my thirty years at J and J, right, I live with this problem all the time, right? right? We couldn't account, we'd lose things and we would have to build new instruments to replace the ones that have been lost. So we in and it's literally hundreds to billions of dollars worth of investment every year okay every year every year it's ridiculous how big this market is so anyone who's in orthopedics whether you're a sales rep whether you're in operations in the moment you talk about the problem they go oh yeah i get it i live with it every day so right. it's not something you really have to sell on the product but when i was at j and j i searched I scorched the earth looking for this sort of technology, but I didn't know what I was looking for, right? Was it RFID? Was right. it Bluetooth driven? Was it just software? What is the technology that I'm, I'm just looking for a solution? And we couldn't find it. There was nothing available. So when I stepped out of J&J, I knew the problem really well. I just didn't know anything about the technology or solution until I came across it. Mm. And I started to inquire and test and evaluate in kind of a quasi design, you know, kind of experimenting, proof of concept, mm -hmm. you know, can this, this thing do what we want it to do? Um, until a few years later, there we are with a product doing exactly the way I want it. So I'd like to tell people this. We're not a technology company who's developed some ultra secret technology looking for applications. Right. We're, we're an orthopedic knowledgeable company who has developed some technology to go address a specific product, right? right? Our product today is designed specifically for the orthopedic market, right? but the technology, it's totally expendable to go into a multitude of areas in fields, not just in healthcare, right. but even outside. Can you, can you dig in a little bit about what makes the the technology that you've put in place unique from other, I'll call them generic asset tracking, asset management tools. What about what you've built? Is, is So the thing that sticks out is that we can survive extreme temperatures. So we can go into an autoclave that runs typically at 132, 
to 135 degrees Celsius for a period of time under pressure, we can survive that hundreds of times, right? We also uh, provide um, in the firmware a certain logic that allows us to operate on AA batteries for a very, very long time. You have AA batteries going through an autoclave process today in your box. Yes. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Double A batteries, and we're looking at ways of shrinking that down, possibly getting down to triple A, or maybe reduce the number of batteries. Fantastic. Right? So the, the 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 way that you've, as you said, sort of repackaged this allows you to f- solve this very specific problem in this very specific market, which happens to be also very large. Right. So if you if you think about um, the way that you got here, can we just back up a little bit and? kind of talk about the journey of QMED from sure. an idea sitting on the table somewhere in J&J to where you are today, which has yeah. been, what, four years? Yeah, it's uh, 2019 was our first seed round. Okay. So, yeah, so it's been, yeah, I would say going into four, four years, years into next year. Can you just Can you just give us the sort of journey from nothing to 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 where you are now yeah. as a as a as a technology startup i mean look you, you're older than i am we don't fit we don't sure. fit this model that well right. when people sort of close their eyes and say okay this is what a startup <laughs> looks like we're not it yeah definitely but not. the reality is most startup ventures that succeed are started by older founders right. because of the value of experience that you gain right. in a place like j&j so can you just sort of talk us through sure. how you got how you got absolutely? This? So, um, of course, with thirty years, I understand the problem really, really well from all angles. Mm-hmm. Not just me as that operations supply chain person, but the impact to the sales force in the extra work that they have to do to go support that surgery. Right. Right. Uh, the delivery systems, the warehouse people. I understood all the different angles of the problem. Right. So. When, when we first started looking at technology, I had to design a sort of ground rules to say, in this industry, with this customer base, there are certain things that won't work ever, right? right? And that's because of my experience in the industry. So I was not only the developer, I was kind of the customer. Mm-hmm. I was selling myself on the innovation that we were creating, if that makes sense, right? So... We knew that one of those rules was it had to be completely 100% autonomous. Okay. If it had a switch, if I had to scan it, if I had to change batteries, if I, if I had to ask someone to go do something, it was going to fail. Mm-hmm. And that's inherent in my experience that I know it would, it would be dead on arrival. Right. Right. So then I had to convince my wife, to allow us to spend some of our <laughs> retirement money in, to get this thing kicked off, yeah. right? Because, you know, early on, you don't have the investors, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you kind of have to do it on your own. That's a bold move. Exactly. So you got to, you know, you're supposed to be retiring. And here I am talking to my wife about, I'm thinking about starting a company here. And this technology, I don't quite understand. But, you know, I think I believe in it. The market is there. I know it. Um, you know, so let's, let's give it a try. Let's give it a go. So, so we went through that process. We went, like, like I said before, we partnered with a couple of companies that had that technology already evolved for other applications. Uh, 
we started to repurpose it, like take their circuit board and batteries and their firmware, and we would put inside of a housing that could go through an autoclave. We literally would wrap it in a blanket, <laughs> right? It was a blanket of, of high-tech material yeah, but... to protect against sure, the heat, sure. right? So we would take in common batteries, common you know, uh, circuit boards and stuff. And we learned a lot from that. Right. We learned how much they protect, how much they don't, how long they last, all of those things. So we went through that entire process, and then we got to a point where we said two things. One, no insulation. Okay. Insulation takes too much room. It makes the unit too bulky, and that's not acceptable. So we have to figure that out, how to operate without insulation. Number two, we need to really make this device as small as of, of a footprint as possible, which means I can't take someone else's architecture right. of their circuit board and just bring it in because I'm limited. So what, ha what had happened is that we had to take all those lessons we learned and we started to develop our own circuit board design, our own componentry, right? Picking what is the right modem, what is the right battery? Mm -hmm. What is the right SIM? What is the right, you know, components to go in there for this application? So the product we ended up with is a product that's totally owned by QMED, totally customized, but it was based on the lessons we learned by bringing existing technology on board. And your background, the interesting thing about this is that your background coming out of, now you have an engineering background by degree. Yeah, mechanical. But, but practically, yeah. It's a supply chain background. Yes. And the process you just went through of understanding the problem, building right. a set of constraints, going through a learning process, coming out with a solution that's, um, I'm going to say words that are oftentimes not uh, heard nicely, but they're good enough. Like, because it would have been very easy to spend 10 more years oh, making yeah. this thing perfect. Yeah. yeah. But when you're a startup, Right, There's don't. a constraint of cash. Exactly. <laughs> Big and, constraint. And I feel like you guys have navigated this set of circumstances really, really well to now have gotten a product to market right. that's going to deliver that service exactly to the level that it needs to be delivered right. for the market you're, you're going after. Right. And that is unusual in startups. Yeah, it is. It is unusual. Um, not to say that we didn't have enough roadblocks along the way there was there was a few times that there was red flags that came up and i would say okay where do we go now what right. do we do right um so we had enough failures along yeah. the way and yeah. we learned from those failures and but we we just kept on figuring it out right? right um yeah i think looking at a macro level i would say that the last three years have been extremely efficient yeah. to get us from a concept to a pretty good or a very unique product, the only of in a market today, yeah. right? So, but in between, it didn't feel that way. Yeah, sure. It, there were times there was very, you know, yeah. Very I mean, different. when we've, you, you and I've had conversations over the years and there's been sort of ebbs and flows to the, I think the, the feeling that you get, but at the same time, this is pretty fast. I mean, yeah. from when we first spoke in, I think it was probably fall 2020. Yeah. It's now winter 2022, right. and you're on the market. Right. That's quick. And not only that, we actually started selling product or pre-selling um, in March of this year. Wow. So a good 
six to nine months. We we ended up with a 18 customer list, over 3,000 devices on order prior to shipping one product that's excellent out the door that that speaks to the demand so we've spent a lot of time on the hardware side can we can we turn our attention because one of the other things that you mentioned which is something that we talk about in this practice all the time is being able to look at a problem from a multitude of lenses and see it almost in the round rather than from one only one point of view so you said very early on you're a hardware and a software company right can you give us a sense now from the other side of this, now mm -hmm. that the hardware is going out into the field, right. give us a sense of the software side and what that, what that innovation brings to sort of the market that you've, that you've So the out. software, I don't want to say that it was a simpler thing to develop um, since I didn't have to develop any of the code myself. <laughs> I guess I could say it was simpler. But um, the reason why I say it's simpler because I know as a customer, I know what I want to see, sure. right? So we had to identify identify a basic platform that existed on asset management so we didn't have to go recreate all of the code, the basic code to allow you a password to mm -hmm. get in and users and all of that, security and so forth. So we partnered with a company that had that sort of platform established and then we just piggybacked on that with our own requirements, the things that our, our customers wanted to do. So it was, um, it was simpler and we had time uh, to develop that while we're perfecting the hardware and working right. on troubleshooting that, right? Um, so today I am extremely pleased with the quality of our software and I can see it in customers' eyes. When they see it, they go, oh, wow. You know, so I can actually see where the asset is. Yeah. I can I can pull out the raw data, export it into an Excel file, and I can do my own sort of you know um, investigations or or queries. And so it's it's a very powerful engine that we have. Great, but it's really poised to grow from that. You know, Got it's it. we're not settled in what we're offering today. It's interesting because like you know we 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 hear this all the time, but you really embody <clears throat> it, which is that the hardware is. Um, you take it for granted. Like it just has to do its job, but you never really want to know it's there. All right. of the touch points are on the software side. Right. And you said at the beginning, like if I have to touch this thing, I'm dead I'm dead right. on arrival. Right. So coming from a hardware background, yep. which is you, how how did that how did that transition occur where that sort of knowledge became realized in the business that you're building? Well, um let me let me answer it this way um for the first year we were all hardware our mindset was 100 percent because there was no reason to invest a dime in the software if the hardware was not going to do what sure. we wanted to do right sure. so um that became our serious fo significant focus very early on but we always knew because I knew the lens of the customer and I knew what they wanted to see. The software is the ability to demonstrate to the user what they want to see, but it's only, you can only see what the raw data provides you. Right. Right. So making sure that the hardware had the right sensory technology in it to pick up the little bits of data that we want. And as, as often, um, I'll give you an example, um, an autoclave cycle. So 
I thought it was important early on to document the autoclave cycle, um, to see it, you know, and be able to distinguish a wash cycle, a decon cycle from an autoclave cycle. Okay. Right. And they both see similar temperatures, but different profiles, okay. different signatures, right? So I wanted to differentiate because I want to be able to tell in my software to our customer that, oh, your device just went through an autoclave. Your device just went through a wash cycle. At Being at this location, which is a hospital, gone through an autoclave and a wash cycle, it means that it went into surgery. Right. So it saw one cycle. So now I'm counting cycles. I see. Right? Yeah. So when someone says... I have this tray that's worth $20,000. Um, I'm getting reimbursed for the implant $3,000. So I need at least seven surgeries to pay for the cost of that you know, instrument kit, right? right? But I have no idea today how many surgeries that instrument kit has been in, right? So I don't know if it takes me a year, two years, or three hmm. months to pay, to pay off the investment, right? Well, I can tell people that now. Because we're picking up all these bits of data and we're putting it into our software and producing a fourth piece of data that is a derivative of the raw data that we picked Interesting. up. Interesting. Things like um, patient safety. Yeah. So think about this for a minute. The majority of FDA recalls is because of instrumentation, complaints in a hospital that an instrument didn't cut, didn't drill, didn't ream, right? Or the torque on some instrument was off, was not calibrated, okay. right? Well, if the person who designed the instrument knows that that thing has a life of 20 or 30 surgeries, well, how do you know how many it's been if we don't even know where the instrument kit is, <laughs> right? So now we're counting surgeries. Now we can put alerts, send it back to the customer and say, you know, that kit has been in 30 surgeries, so here's a red light mm -hmm. to tell you that you got to bring that kit back don't allow any more surgeries mm -hmm. so that you can calibrate, you can sharpen, you can replace mm. any of the instrumentation, right? There's a patient safety aspect to this. Uh, patients many times, uh, a half hour surgery, orthopedic surgery, or 45 minutes may take an hour, hour and a half or two hours because an instrument didn't do what it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. So now they need to get a replacement. Interesting. The patient's under anesthesia. There's all this risk, right? Right. So patient safety is a big thing, and FDA is always very concerned about that everything go the way it's supposed to in surgery. Right. Right. So we're a piece of that now with that data. Interesting. So how how if you look if you try to roll back the clock to 2019, that data component that you just described, how much of that did you learn, and how much of that did you come in the door saying, I think I know this. I would say 95% of the problem related how in what we wanted the software and the yeah. hardware to do, I think I knew that, Okay. 95%. We've perfected some things with some additional um, input from folks and stuff, but 95% I knew. As far as what technology to use, I knew absolutely nothing, nothing. zero. Wow. It was completely talk to people, listen to them, learn, um, and then ask a lot of questions. That's great. Why doesn't this work? Why does that work? Um, what do you mean by that? You know, I used to hear things in telecom that they talk about, you know, um, uh, being able to, you know, to basically put a, a zone 
around a certain address, you know, and anything that penetrates that zone. And that was foreign to me. Right. You know, I had no idea what that meant. Um, and, and the more we talked about it, we said, well, okay, in this application, that's not going to work. Right. right. Bluetooth is not going to work in this application. It has to be GPS won't work in this application. Right. Because we're inside buildings. We need GPS needs blue sky. Sometimes in the basement. Sometimes in the basement yeah. where cell phones can't don't, even don't even work. Don't even well. work, yeah. right? So we have to figure all of that out, right? Right, um, and those things we had to learn yeah. right from scratch. Right, right. You know? Interesting. So where, if you project yourself forward, say three years, where is all this? Where's all this going? What's 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 so the grand vision? So the here? opportunity with QMed and its technology is really endless. Yep. Um, we have a funnel and a pipeline of product development that we must have at least a dozen products that are line extensions to clearly innovative. So we're looking at things, for example, um, not just to tell you where things are. Asset management is very important, but how about being able to pick up data in a different way, in a label. Okay. If we took that technology and produce it into a flat profile with an adhesive that you can put on a package, and now you're getting that sort of data. Uh, maybe there's applications in tissue where temperature becomes an issue because you've got live tissues. You right. need refrigerated sort of products. We're looking at sterility. Okay. Um, how do you know mm. something is still sterile? How do you measure sterility? Right. right? Uh, being able to measure and communicate that. Right. So um, I definitely see QMED in the healthcare space. We may license some components of the technology into other markets. Our market is specifically healthcare right. and medical device. But there's a lot of opportunity out there today. So you're really looking at asset management from a much broader perspective in the healthcare market, but from a much broader perspective than show me where my widget is and yes. tell me what happened to my widget. I would actually describe this more as providing real-time data. Okay. Right. And with sensory technology and really innovative sensory technology. Um, you know, there may be applications in our technology because we do everything cellular it's a cellular IoT device, right? right? Um, but we may find applications to partner with Bluetooth, okay. with RFID, right, in, in certain applications. But, um, but we see really collecting data and what do I do with that data tomorrow and how do I present that data? And we may have, as we do today, um, our customers are the orthopedic companies. Right. But our customers within the orthopedic company are several stakeholders. Okay. Right? So it's not just the logistics people saying, tell me where my kid is, but the compliance people may want to know about that patient safety right. aspect of it. Right? The product development may want to know about the life of instrumentation and how many cycles it's seen before you're tossing the instrument. Got it. So there's a lot of data that different yeah. stakeholders may want to have. It's a fascinating it's a fascinating transition that that I feel like uh, companies at the beginning of their progression, we, we all think we know where we're going, but in your case, because you had the experience and mm -hmm. because you had the clarity of the problem, right? Your ability to utilize 
new technologies with a series of really well-defined constraints is a big reason why you are where you are in the time frame that you got here. I, I think I've often thought about this. Um, 30 years of experience in this, in this industry. Could I have done the same thing 20 years ago? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't have had the depth and knowledge. I wouldn't have had the confidence, the fortitude to stick with it yeah. when things don't go perfectly. Um, yeah, I, I think there is some things that it takes a young person to do, and then there's other things that you really need a lot of experience yeah. in, the, in a specific problem, especially in our world, which we are really a pioneer. Right. You know? Right. And, I, and someone very early told me about pioneers. Those are the guys with the arrow on their back, <laughs> yeah, face right. down yeah. in the dirt. Yeah. So, and I said, well, I hope not to be that person, yeah. but... We're really pioneers, so it's not just being an innovator. We wanted to find a, a, a solution to a, a very large problem, but not just any solution. Right. It had to be something really innovative. That's fantastic. Well, this was great, and you touched on a lot of things, and I am uh, really happy you came. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. This has been fun. Super good. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.